sorry, did we tell you that uh, we got a Roomba and we named it? We named it Mamacita? <laughs> no. You saw Feud, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> you remember Joe Crawford's maid, Mamacita? Yeah. That's why. And there's a picture of her on our Roomba. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, every time she comes around, we, re- we-, we reenact the scene. <laughs> Where Mamacita quits. <laughs> Come in and we'll pretend to throw something at her. I was like, Mamacita, I'm sorry. I'm sorry! Still, you do this! <laughs> I just imagine you following her down your long hallway as, as, the, as the room is going down the opposite way. I'm sorry, Mamacita! It's exactly what it's happens. exactly what happens, yeah. <laughs> And for the first couple of days, every single time she came in the room, we were both just like, there she is, there goes Mamacita. She knows what she's supposed to be doing right now. <laughs> Cleaning the floors! <laughs> <laughs> it's really great, and I recommend getting a Roomba just for that. Yeah. Mm. And putting and put, <laughs> put a picture of Mamacita on it, because it just, when she comes in the room, it just makes the day a little brighter. Oh, Mamacita! <laughs> <laughs> oh man well that's 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 fun thanks all right well thank you for listening to bloody podcast i'm Lori ronkamp i'm joined as always by my co-host maria felix and our resident guest cash abdumalik hello toughies would you call them chappies toughies toughies hey toughies <laughs> <laughs> We have a treat today. Yes. I did the research. Yay. Dun, dun, dun. Lori very gracefully offered to do the research um, for this week because she knows that next week is our 100th episode, Mm -hmm. which is a huge deal. It's a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) It's our 100th episode anniversary. And we uh, asked our Patreon members, I think we covered this already, but we're doing Marie Laveau. Voodoo Priestess Marie Laveau. It'll be very cool. So yeah, so this week we're we're gonna talk about what Lori found on TikTok. Yes, <laughs> I found this woman on uh, from a TikTok episode of a TikTok person that I don't remember, so I should probably uh, find remember who it was. But nah, I, they they jacked it from somebody else anyway. Uh, probably. But I just wanted to give a warning up front that this episode contains uh, a lot of information about child suffering. So if you if that's something that triggers you or you're not comfortable with that, uh, please, you know, no uh, hard feelings if you don't listen. Uh, but on the flip side, we are also going to be making funny white women. So that's going to be fun. Uh, we love that. Yeah. And if you don't want to listen to this one, we have... 98 other episodes at least at the time of you listening so check it out yeah re-listen to one (laughs) you know check them out check them out send one to a friend all right so today we are going to learn about renee bach and i that's how i'm going to pronounce her name so if i'm wrong then that's uh on me because that's how I'm going to pronounce is, it. Is it B-A-C-H, like the B-A-C-H. composer? B-A-C-H. That's Buck. Okay. That's Buck. Run a Buck. So, 
So dun, 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 dun. in 2007, Renee Bach was a teenage volunteer at a missionary run orphanage in a rural village of Lake Victoria, Jinja, which is uh, in, in uh, Uganda. Da, 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 da. Evangelical, <laughs> that area is known as for evangelical churches to set up a lot of missionaries and clinics there. And they would have teenagers come and volunteer for extended periods of time. Bach volunteered at this orphanage for nine months. When she moved back home to Virginia, she found herself lost and not knowing what God had in store for her. This is when she came to the realization that her purpose was to go back to Uganda. She would move back to Jinja full time and set up her own charity. So now, I thought this was going to happen much earlier. This is what Bach said when she realized that she wanted to move to uh, Jinja full time. Oh my God. It was a very, very profound feeling and experience. It's kind of hard to even describe in words, you know? I thought you were going to do Lang. Oh, that's what I'm supposed to do, right? Yeah. Well, oh, we, I said whatever. <laughs> I, I have two. I sent you uh, another one. I forgot there's two. But you do do Lang or do uh, a Valley Girl. I don't care. It was a very, very profound feeling and experience. There we go. <laughs> it's kind of hard to even describe in words. Like there was something that I was supposed to do. Mama Sita! <laughs> <laughs> Jessica Lang. Clean the cupboards! All right. So, from 2010 to 2015, Renee Bach ran a charitable treatment center for severely malnourished children in Uganda, despite having no medical training. Okay, that's normal. The center was closed in 2015, and at the end, at least 105 children died in the charity's care. Oh. So, yeah. That's uh, that's who we're talking about. So, oh, that's terrible. Bach named her charity "Serving His Children," and a lot of it, a lot of times, it's referred to SHC. Some readings showed. Oh, sorry. Before I go any further, I should mention that all of my research came, or a lot of my research came from two NPR articles and a New Yorker article called "A Missionary on Trial." So I recommend you guys checking those out. So some of the articles said that she was went by Aunt Renee at the charity, which I don't know about you guys, but growing up, I used to have this a lot where, like, you would go, a friend would come over, your mom's friend would come over to the house and be like, oh, I'm Aunt Tina. And I'd be like, no, yeah, yeah. You're not Aunt Tina. You're not yeah. mom's sister. Like, shut the You have up. never been pre-approved as a family member. Yeah. You can't yeah. just show up and be a family member. <laughs> yeah. You can't just take the label of aunt. It's a sacred label. I kind of had that, but in reverse. Like, I had a lot of, like, other children who were friends of the family through, like, you know, other older people. And, and they would call my mom an aunt or mom or something like that. That's because everybody wants to be related to your mom because she's so nice. Well, they yeah. fucking can't. It's my mom. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> that's exactly how i felt <laughs> i get it i would do i would be the same i would be the same yeah i'd be like fuck you dude yeah i mean although <laughs> to be mother. fair like i want your mom to be my mom so fuck you 
sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna call her Bach from now from the going forward, just because I feel like it's the least flattering part of her name. Well, Bach. isn't it the most flattering because it's after a famous composer? No, it's Renee sounds nice. Aunt Renee sounds okay. Bach. Aunt Renee sounds like a bitch. Yeah, Aunt Renee sounds like fucking super questionable. Aunt. She sounds like she has, like, all she has in their house is fucking Andy's mints. <laughs> all right. Also, like, don't leave the kids alone with Aunt Renee. I'll change it to Aunt Renee. <laughs> She's garish. All right. So. <laughs> She's garish. <laughs> That's the word you're gonna go she's, with to yeah. describe Aunt Renee. She's like Aunt a, Renee is quite garish. She's yeah. like the the what's her face from Annie. She's the uh, foster. She's the adoption lady from Annie who just like sells oh. all the children out. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I thought you meant the the servant guy who did those old Seven Up commercials. No. <laughs> <laughs> Close. Close. I met him a couple times. Yeah, he's a nice guy. He's coming to come to the video store. I used to work out. Yeah. All right, that's cool. So a lot so, of gay porn. So, a lot of gay porn. A lot of gay porn. Rented a lot of gay Wait, porn. Wait, what? Seriously? That. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to work at a video store in Grange Village, so but we like, catered. He would go and just plop down gay porn. He wouldn't plop it down. He would, you know, rent it. He wouldn't even try and like slide it in between like a homeward bound or something. It no. Granted, this is Greenwich Village in the 90s. They're just like, yeah. whatever, dude. We are here to do... We're fine. Let's not mess around. Okay, this is a business transaction. Yeah. His attitude <laughs> about it was very... <laughs> well, I just would love to see him do that as he's masturbating. <laughs> oh, God. That's what everybody does, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. As far as I know. Yeah. Supported by money raised through church circles back home, Aunt Renee rented a large house in one of Ginger's poor district called Maysessi or Maysessis and began testing out options, including starting a program to serve a free hot meal to neighborhood children. Twice a week, about a thousand of them would line up by box house to receive a bowl of food. Word of her feeding program spread through Ginger. In the fall of 2009, Aunt Renee claims she got a call from a staffer at the local children's hospital asking if she could help out with severely malnourished children. They informed her that the, all these kids needed was to be stabilized and fed back to health. Even though her charity was already overrun with people in need, Aunt Renee said that upon seeing these children in their emaciated state, it made her want to help them. It's amazing to me how so many ladies, I won't say what type of lady, so many ladies get into charities so quickly and like effortlessly get all this money from all, they're just like all of a sudden they're like, I started a charity. And they have, I mean, honestly, I am amazed. I'm not trying to be a dick. And they have all these resources. Well, yeah, I mean, that's... And all these people eager to give money. But that's the whole thing, is that that's why it's, that's why this is so crazy, is that it's like the, it's the white savior complex, you know? It's, Who are the people funding her nonprofit? It's all her, her church people back home. 
she's getting donations. It's so, just the church people? Yeah. I mean, I know I know it's probably a big church because it's like Virginia. It's evangelical, yeah. so she probably got like, you know, whatever like the evangelical newspaper is. They probably like wrote up about her and stuff. And we're like, hey, pitch in so we can get some Bibles to some kids. Yeah, give. So here's the quote. Yeah, yeah, give. <laughs> yeah, it's one guy next to it. Yeah, give. <laughs> here's the quote that uh, that Aunt Renee said when she said that when she decided she wanted to help these kids, uh, these malnourished uh, kids. It was almost an out-of-body experience. A sense of, oh my goodness, this isn't right. This needs to stop. So I think I'm going to try, because uh, uh, Maria does a better job than this, but I'm going to say my <laughs> my point of view up top is that I feel like, and this is just my point of view, I feel like we talked a little bit about this on a, on a Patreon episode. I this feel is like, the bloody podcast point of view, not just Lori. <laughs> Yeah. Listen is, up. Yeah, this is all this is oh, 100% everything that Cash Marie and I stand for. Um, 100%. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> Renee is doing everything she thinks she's supposed to do. But it's still awful. And I think that there that is the thing that I think I think white people and white women and also just people in general who try and go into a community that's not their own or go into an area that's not their own and help need to understand that just because what you think is right and what you think you're, you think you're doing the the thing that is what what's needed doesn't mean that it's a good thing. And so that's why I think that this is an important story because this woman was trying her best and was doing what she thought she needed to do and just completely fucked over a bunch of people. And 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 for, in my opinion, frankly, killed hundreds of children, which will go to show that it's it's hard to prove. But I think she did. So so, but so far, she just opened these programs, right? Yeah. Like she op she opened the 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 neighborhood meal program, and she now she's gonna go help the, in the hospital, right? She opened a feeding program. But then the hospital starts saying, well, can we send children who have been, like, are essentially have been starved, like, not been, like, not, like, somebody didn't, like, hold them down and force them not to eat, but, like, they just. They're malnutrition. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're malnourished. Can we send them to you so that way you can treat them and get them back to health, which is a complete, which is a medical issue. So she went. No. Right. She went from providing just a service to a medical uh, service and that's where I think things took a turn because then it became she is providing a medical service to these when she has no absolutely no medical training. Right. So at first she wasn't doing anything wrong. At first, no, no, she wasn't doing. I, I mean, as far as I can tell, she wasn't doing anything wrong. She just showed up. She was trying to help. She offered feeding. She you know gave food to people, and so uh, so basically she decided this was what actually what God had in plan store for her so she turned the house into a center where malnourished children and their mothers could live while their kids recuperated and they would give them uh rash meal rations they would give them medicine that was prescribed by doctors and they would give lessons to the mothers on nutrition and the bible because you know you can't have one without the other 
No, they go hand in hand. Hand in hand. Yeah. Like bread and fish and wine. Right. Like orange juice and toothpaste. Like what? What? (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things that ended up biting her in the butt is that Aunt Renee kept a blog during this entire time. Of course. Of course she did. She chronicled her experiences in her and in like everyday life in Uganda. Well, how else would she know if she's a good person if somebody else isn't reading about it? Thank you. That's what I was going to say earlier. The only reason why she's doing any of this is not out of the goodness of her heart. It's fucking recognition. It's yeah. bullshit. Yeah. That's why she that's why she's a fucking monster. Yeah. Well, that's you know? why that's you could see you can you can see the avalanche. You could see the snowball growing. Yeah. Of like everything that she's doing and saying so far. It's well, a savior complex. It's a savior complex thing. It is yeah. definitely okay. a savior complex. But I, and this, this is, again, 100% all bloody podcast opinion, but I, tru- <laughs> I truly believe that I don't think people do things. I think people do things out of what they perceive to be the goodness of their heart, but it's just to get something in return, which is a thank you or a, oh, you're so nice. So I think people in general are selfish and they will do things, but they will do it in order to make themselves feel better about themselves. So I, I personally don't think that anybody does anything just because they want, you know, they, because they feel like it's a necessity. I think uh, there's always another, uh, another turn. There's always something that they're expecting out of it. But that's just me. And bloody podcast. Well, don't you ever do anything for somebody else that inconveniences you but puts that other person at ease? You do that for your dad all the time. Well, I mean, yeah, but I get like, you know, I get money out of it. And then sometimes he'll be like, oh, thanks, Laura. You're really nice. You're a good daughter. I'm glad I had you. You know? I'm yeah, really sometimes. Yeah. Only sometimes. Only sometimes, though. Only sometimes. No, the other times. So not every. Give me like 10 bucks or something. Well, I mean, maybe that's the difference. Because... <laughs> Our parents don't give us money for doing them doing things for them. <laughs> we are expected to. <laughs> uh, hmm. Hmm. Cultural differences. Hmm. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I remember when I was dating a white guy, and I always like was shocked when he would cuss at his dad. That's fucking. Crazy. And I think that I just like yeah, I think that's like. Do you cuss at your dad or your mom? Uh, I've started to now that I'm older, but it's just because I've had some distance, but I definitely, I would go to houses when I was a kid and I went to this one kid's house, Wayne, and he told his dad to shut the fuck up. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, my mom would kill me. Like my mom would fucking slap me with a stapler, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, she wouldn't do that. That's an exaggeration, but that shit's fucking crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. It's so I, crazy to see it. And I, yeah, I'd always see, like, I, like, yeah. It's and just. I remember, like, I would get physically, I would get nauseous because I'd be so scared because I'd be like, I don't want to watch Wayne get the shit beat out of him. Like, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be here. And nothing happened. And then I'd be like, uh, what's going on? <laughs> Is everything okay? Yeah, it's weird. I got into a fight with a friend because like, he talked to his, he told his mom to shut her fucking mouth. And I was oh like, oh my God. And I was like, in front of her, I was like, don't talk to your fucking mom like that, dude. I didn't say fucking. Yeah. I was a little kid and it didn't sound that cool. I was like, don't talk to your mom like that. Aww. And he was just like, 
and he's like, shut up, dude. And I was just like, dude, it's your mom. Don't see. Like, that's, look at her. Like, it was really awkward. Yeah. He's always can... been such a sweet boy. No, no, no. Yes. And then we got into an argument, and then I stopped talking to him for a long time. Oh. <laughs> was, that, <laughs> was the argument because he cussed at your mom, or what was the argument? No. No, he didn't curse at my He didn't curse at my mom. Nobody's going to curse at my fucking mom. Um, but he cursed at his mom. And it just, I don't know, man. It just made a rift. It was like, it was like a weird taste. Like we couldn't get yeah. out of each other's like, you know, senses. And I was just like, all right, dude. Yeah. Well, because he's clearly growing up to be an asshole. Yeah. And you're not. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> can we, can we go on a, a short, a sh- real quick tangent where I just say that, that those, uh, new short videos out where it's like, it's a, a joke, but then you do it in front of the father and it's like. The mom goes, sweetie, can you do this? And the kid goes, shut the fuck up, mom. And this, the father gets up to go beat the shit out of the kid. And they're like, it's a joke. It's a joke. Those are the stupidest freaking videos I've ever seen. What are those? I, I saw another trend, too. This girl is going viral. I forget her username. And I'm glad I am. But um, <laughs> she like she has some guy, presumably her boyfriend, off camera say, like, what's for dinner, bitch? Or would you make me tonight, bitch? And she always comes down. She's like, tonight we're having quinoa with lasagna. And that's the joke. Like, she, he, he sets her up by calling her a bitch and demanding food. And she responds by having, like, a, a nice meal. Oh, that's great. That's, oh, that's cool. So- Isn't that nice? Is that what humor has become now? That we're not allowed to tell actual jokes? <laughs> yeah. Just, it's just TikTok videos where people call each other bitch and tell each other to shut the fuck up. Yeah, I yeah. don't get the I don't get those I don't get that. I, it's like what's the upside? The father didn't beat the crap out of the son? Like I don't understand the, the It's a joke, dad. It's yeah. a joke. It's a joke. They literally, it's a joke. They do that cuz the the fathers will like literally like jump up and run after the kid and it's like it's a joke. It's a, the mom has to come one mom had to come between him and the uh, and the kid to like stop him from beating the shit out of him and I was like, "Oh my god. How why would you then put that up on Wait, wait. Is the mom part of the joke? Yeah. Yeah. She's in on the joke. She's in on the joke. Yeah. Why is the mom saying yes? What what does the kid say to the mom again? Shut the fuck up. Or just shut up. Like some kids will say shut the fuck up. Some kids will say shut up. But it's just saying shut up, shut up to your mom and then seeing your dad the dad's reaction. And the dad's reaction is always to beat the shit out of the kid. And I'm like, this is terrible. This is not a good thing. So, all right. I don't know, man. It, we have a kid, and the kid tells you to shut the fuck up. I mean, probably, I mean, I'm, chances are I might. That yeah, but that's the joke. The kid. That's the that's what they're trying to achieve in the video. No, oh, but- that's brilliant. Oh, that's wonderful. Right? That's what the, that's like, the they're first. trying to get the dad. Ugh. They're trying to get the dad to get riled up and, and do, do that. But the, What's the, the fucking point? But what I'm saying is, is that's it. That's all it is. It's just violence. There's no, there's no upside. There's no, like, the dad's like, you know, I would love it if one time the dad was like, yeah, shut the fuck up. Like, just, that's- to really, <laughs> just to really throw it in their face. But Good there's job, no, kid. there's no doubt. There's no upside to this. I don't know. This tangent has gone on way too long. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just want to. I just want to say because it was weighing heavy on my mind that I don't want anybody out there to be offended that I said that it's white people who cuss at their parents. It's just the first way I experienced it. 
was with, with that. It's like, you know, you assume it's like the first time that you go to a quinceañera, you're probably going to be with Latinos. Yeah. It's the same thing. My first quinceañera was with Koreans. <laughs> really? You see? Different strokes for yeah. different folks. <laughs> different strokes <laughs> for different folks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> a gardener who worked at the serving his children for three years stated that Aunt Renee posed as a doctor. She, quote, dressed in what? a clinical coat, often oh, no. had a stethoscope mm. around her neck, and on a daily basis, I would see her medicating children. She did, like, the opposite of what most immigrants do. Like, people <laughs> people in other countries study to be doctors and nurses <laughs> and scientists, and then they come here and they have to work shitty jobs yeah. as, like, cab drivers and shit. Yeah. She's doing the opposite. She's yeah. going, she, she's going there, and she's like, "I'm already a doctor. That's yeah. how easy it is here, you guys." <laughs> or <laughs> what would be funnier is if she's like, "I'm a doctor, but my real drive is my real dream is driving cabs. I'm really yeah. <laughs> One day, <laughs> one day, one day, I'll be a real Uber driver. Yeah. So, an American nurse who volunteered at SHC stated that Aunt Renee said, "Quote." Felt like felt God would tell her what to do for a child. This bitch relies too much on God. Like she's always just putting but it on God. That's the whole thing. Like that she no, no, basically no. was just like, through God, I will know what. No. Ugh, God. Are you Ugandan? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Are yes, you, my child. Yes. God is like, leave me out of it. Yeah. God I is- gave you life. Now you figure it out. God is like you uh, 20 minutes, 20, 20, 30 minutes ago where you were like, hold on, I got to just finish rolling this joint. (laughs) (laughs) I can't talk to you right now unless I'm high. Yeah. Yeah. So a Ugandan driver says that for eight years, on average, I would drive at least seven to ten bodies of children back to their villages each week. Ooh. Wow. So. Jesus Christ. By summer of 2011, by this point, the center was caring for as many as a dozen dozen children at a time. Aunt Renee had hired three Ugandan nurses to help out during the day and stocked a room she dubbed the clinic with medical gear such as oxygen tanks, IV catheters, and monitoring equipment. Jackie Kramlick... who had just been certified as a registered nurse in North Dakota, was motivated by Aunt Renee's story and moved to Uganda to assist. Jackie quickly... She only went there because she only went there because of her last name. Kramlick. Kramlick, yeah. Yeah, lick the cram. <laughs> She's like, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> yeah. The South is especially mean with nicknames. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, well, well. <laughs> Look who it is. If it is an old Cramlet. Cramlet. Why not bend over? You lick my cram. <laughs> Get it. Jackie quickly realized just how sick these children were. They weren't just malnourished, they had other issues such as pneumonia, intestinal parasites, tuberculosis, Mm-mm. and many were in stage four HIV. Mm-mm. Oh, my God. She said that almost every week a child would die. What was happening 
in the like who was there besides the mothers of the children and what's in Renee? So usually it was like other volunteers, nurse, nurse volunteers. And then I, for a while they didn't have any doctors. And then I think around 2013, they hired a couple of doctors and then, but they, but people were still saying that aunt Renee was still doing most of the medical, uh, handling most of the medical care herself. So she Hmm. was still doing most of the treatment. So the first story we're she gonna wasn't get to, doing, but she wasn't doing anything. I, well, so the first story we're gonna get to is the story of a, a baby named Patricia, and I'm just gonna let oh, you know no. up top, just so you guys know, the baby survives. As far as we know, the baby survives. So oh, good. Sunday, October 2011, a couple arrived at the center to seek help for their nine-month-old baby, Patricia. Aunt Renee wrote in her blog. When I pulled the covering back, my eyes widened, for under the blanket lay a small but very, very swollen, pale baby girl. Her breaths were frighteningly slow. So then she wrote in her blog that Patricia had fallen sick three sick three weeks earlier, but her parents were unable to find anyone closer to home who could help. She was recommended to go to this clinic where a white doctor was working. Oh, no. Aunt Renee described the treatment she gave to baby Patricia. I hooked the baby up to the oxygen and, oxygen and got to work. Took her temperature, started an IV, checked her blood sugar, tested for malaria, and looked at her HB count. That's a measure of hemoglobin in the blood. That part's parenthesized. I was attempting to diagnose the many problems that could potentially be at hand. Got it. Malaria. Positive. HB. 3.2, a big problem. Most likely fatal. She needed a blood transfusion and fast. So she just WebMD'd herself into being a doctor? Oh, well, we'll get to it. So she wrote in her blog that we started a blood transfusion on Patricia, but she doesn't refer to who the we is in that statement. Then she writes that about 30 minutes later, Patricia seemed to take a turn. Uh, her neck and face started swelling a lot. Um, her bra- her breathing went from bad to worse. Her throat was beginning to close. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> that's very good. Thank that's, you. That's when she, Aunt Renee claims she called the nurse Jackie, which I just realized right now that her wow. name is Nurse Jackie. Yeah, that's uh, crazy. Well, 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 if it isn't Nurse Jackie from television she's all popping pills in the tent so aunt renee claims that they both agreed that patricia baby patricia was having an allergic reaction to the transfusion so they rushed her to a hospital in a nearby area called kampala five days later the baby patricia needed more blood and renee wrote in her blog i was praying that my blood would be to her blood as the blood of Christ is to me. You get it? And she donated her blood to baby Patricia. And the baby survived. Who are you doing now? I don't are know. You- <laughs> who, who is- it sounds like you're know. doing like the sheriff from Notting- from uh, Robin Hood. <laughs> Which one? Which one? The Disney one the or Disney- Alan Rickman? The Disney one. 
<laughs> I think I think when I started doing the Southern guy, the whole, the whole thing kind of started getting mixed up. So maybe now it'll just be Sheriff Nottingham. <laughs> yeah, Sheriff Nottingham. Yeah, the role of Aunt Renee will be played by Sheriff Nottingham tonight. Oh no, no, you got it all wrong, Hiss. Miss- it's the sniveling, grubbling, weaselly, measly. It's from the movie. It's great. So Nurse Jackie has a different story. She says that when she walked into the clinic, the child was swollen and wheezing. She could see that the blood was still being transfused into Patricia's vein. Sorry. So she could see that the blood was still being uh, transfused into baby Patricia's uh, vein And Aunt Renee turned to Nurse Jackie and said, You know, I think she might be having a reaction. But I don't know. Because, you know, Google says that if they're having a reaction, they'll have a rash. And I don't see a rash. So she was Googling. (laughs) (laughs) What? Google says... Okay, thank you for clarifying. I couldn't understand the sheriff. You couldn't understand me? (laughs) You guys... I don't know about you guys. I mean, he was coming in loud and clear over here, so I don't know. But, so, they rushed her to the hospital, and they were able to do a blood transfusion, and she was seen by a private doctor, and she was able, she lived. So, that's that's Nurse Jackie's story. So, it's far different than, than what aunt renee said what did she say remember she was saying that they both realized <laughs> that she was having a nurse they both like came to the conclusion rushed to the hospital aunt renee gives her her own blood and it saves her life wait renee was saying that she gave her her own blood and it saved her life yes are you li- welcome to the podcast marie no, I just didn't understand. I didn't. Was that something that Colin said? Because I didn't. <laughs> we're, ta- we're talking Stop about it. Renee Stop. Box. Stop it. Stop. That's great. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be that bitchy. <laughs> podcast, Maria. How's it going? Ah, <laughs> oh, fine. Yeah, so she, that's when remember she had said the thing about how she <laughs> she wanted her blood to be to baby Patricia's as God's blood was to her. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. So that's why she said. So now we're gonna go to the story of Twalali, which I'm gonna say just so you guys know. Unfortunately, this child passes away. So if you want to skip, we totally understand. No, I mean we should. Talk not not you guys. Not you. <laughs> not you guys. You have to sit yeah, through it. You have to sit through it. No, I'm talking <laughs> to the listener. Welcome to the podcast, Cash. Yeah, welcome. To- <laughs> you can't. You can't just go skip, skip. Lori, <laughs> let's not talk about this part of the story. Yeah. All right. Just <laughs> let's you know, move on. Take your headphones off, and we'll we'll let you know when it's done. Done. So, in the summer of 2013, Ziria Namutambe, oh, that's another thing. I apologize that if I'm butchering these names, I don't mean any disrespect. I'm trying my best. Took her, She so, is. She is trying her best. Ziria she- Namutambe took her three-year-old grandson, 
Twalali Kafiba Kafibabi to Aunt Renee's health center because she had heard that a white doctor was treating children. Twalali had been diagnosed at another clinic six months prior as having malnutrition. He weighed as much as an average four-month-old baby. And remind you, this is a three-year-old boy. His head looked massive above his emaciated limbs. His abdomen and feet were swollen like water balloons. All over his tiny body, patches of darkened skin were peeling off. In an affidavit that Zeria Zeria, uh, signed with her thumbprint, she stated that she saw Aunt Renee inject something in Twilali's head and connect tubes and wires from Twilali to a machine. Days later, while Zeria was doing laundry in the clinic's courtyard, she overheard, overheard another woman saying, what a pity her child has died. Shortly after that, Aunt Renee came downstairs holding Twilali's lifeless body wrapped in white clothes. So that is that is her uh Zeria's um version of what happened. Now here is a we're gonna get to another case, but here is the problem with this whole try with this whole um I guess you would say trial of Renee Bach is that these children are so malnourished that a lot of the medical examiners who reviewed the me- the me- medical treatment that was given to these kids, they 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 sort of are like, well, there's really nothing that could have been done to help these kids. Well, what did uh what did Renee say happened to the child? So Renee actually her attorney had a uh basically had showed documentation that apparently showed that Twilali was actually admitted to a hospital. A night nurse examined him, made a note to discuss antibiotic treatment with a doctor. Uh, He was given a vein, he was given an infuse of anti-malarial medication and a nasogastric tube to supplement nutrients and fluid he was placed on oxygen his vital signs were monitored hourly he was examined by a doctor several times they visited him three times through in the in the six days that he they visited him three times a day in the six days that he was at uh serving his children they followed along with the treatment that the doctor prescribed but on july 15th he started refusing food and by the early hours of the next morning, he was semi-comatose, struggling to breathe. On the doctor's mm. orders, the nurses attempted to resuscitate him with intravenous fluids, but he died around 11 o'clock. He just died suddenly, even though he was being monitored. Just That sounds even shadier yeah. than what did happen. He, I mean, the problem is, is one of the things they say in this is that Experts on malnutrition are saying that because this condition is so fragile, that unless you are a doctor or healthcare provider who has extensive knowledge on how to deal with it, it's better to just do nothing. Because doing something that you think might be helpful is actually going to be severely harmful. Right. 
it reminds me of, and this is a very, another sad story, but I, when I was a teenager, you know, we learned about, um, like a lot of more of the horror story of the Holocaust. And one of the things that really thought was really terrifying was the one, when this, some American soldiers came upon some, uh, survivors of the, of Auschwitz, they gave them chocolate because they were so emaciated. Well, some of the people, because that was the first food they'd ever had died because it was too rich and they had a heart Mm. attack and died. And that to me was just like, Oh my God, that is so sad that these people like survived this horrific thing and then died in this one instance where they thought they'd be free. And that, so that kind of, that's what I've been relating to is like, you don't know what's going to happen with what you put into a person's body when they're at that fragile of a state. So that's why I think, again, it's harmful that she was doing this because again, even though maybe what she said is right, maybe she did everything she said. Maybe she, she waited on these kids hand and foot and she tried her best. She wasn't medically trained. She did not know what she was doing and she was surrounding herself with people who were not specifically medically trained with this type of, of ailment, with this type of malnutrition. It's problematic when nobody knows your name and everybody just calls you the white doctor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's a lot to unpack there, you know, like over decades and centuries of oppression, but it's crazy that they were like, that that's, that's her credential, you know, and yeah. that's all they, that's, that's all she needs. And so now she feels like that. I feel like in her mind, she was like, Okay, so now these people like trust me, and now I now I must lead them. Now I must take care of them, and yeah. let me just do my best instead of telling the truth that I don't know how to medically take care of children in the first place. I just know how to give them meals, which is yeah, <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible. But this bitch, yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty fucked up. Yeah, so, do you think yeah. she like talked to her, like when she went home? You think she would like talk to her friends over brunch? Be like, I just don't know what to do. You know, they keep asking, they keep calling me Doctor Renee. Who am I to tell them? Yeah, no. I'm no doctor. Who am I? How dare I? Yeah, <laughs> how dare I disappoint them? I don't want to break their home, their spirits. No, I, yeah. I mean friends. I think she talked to God. Are you kidding me? I think she would have like coffee with God in the morning. Yeah, that's, that's her friend. Re- yeah, that's how religious, <laughs> creepy religious she was. God is her friend Robin. Like, there's none. <laughs> Robin with, like, deep red hair. Yeah. So the next story is this little boy, Elijah. And we don't know too much about Elijah. Unfortunately, again, with Elijah, he does pass away. So July, between 2010 and 2015, Kakai Annette has her son, Elijah, diagnosed with tuberculosis at a hospital. She takes her... She takes sorry she takes her son to uh and with the help of an shc driver to a healthcare center called kigandalo where serving his children was running a malnutrition program in partnership with the ugandan government so at this point now they are working with supposedly working with the government nurses what is a what is a uh, SHE driver? Is that like an ambulance? Or? It's like a driver, yeah, a driver who takes like, you know, they, they would drive 
the parents to back to their village or because they would uh, they would be coming from like you know right. hundreds of miles away so they the the so i mean again some of the things you would look at and you go oh that's really nice she would offer free transportation you know so okay that's that's stuff that she would do so nurses wouldn't admit him because they didn't have an isolated ward for tuberculosis patients they did offer him fortified milk which kakai accepted because her son was small-bodied and they also gave her money and transportation home however elijah then got sicker and the next day kakai took him to a government hospital in her own district and he died three days later Hmm. kakai was so the two women who sued uh aunt renee were kakai and ziria the mothers of twalali and elijah and Kakai believe, strongly believes that that SHC did something to my child that led to his death. They believe that maybe he received tainted milk, or maybe he was given something else while he was at the facility for a brief time. But again, he they but they also may, think that he might have died of tuberculosis and malnutrition. But again, whatever happened, it probably didn't help that he was given something that a medical professional had not approved. So. I just figured out that SHC driver, you meant us serving his children. Yeah. You should have clarified that. I said that in the beginning. (laughs) I'll fight you. (laughs) You know what? I'm quitting. I'm quitting like Mama Sita. Uh, that's it. <laughs> we didn't even throw anything at your head. <laughs> Emotionally, you've been throwing at my stuff, uh, my stuff at my head all night. Okay, oh, yeah, you, you deserve it with that. <laughs> <laughs> Get it together. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You line up those clips. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, just to break it down. In 2011, of the 129 children Aunt Renee took in, 20% died. Nearly a third of them in the first 48 hours. In 2012, the death rate among these inpatient cases was 18%. By 2013, Aunt Renee had hired two doctors, so the death rate was 10%. But even still, experts at like UNICEF and other places were saying these are still too high numbers. If this... Constantly, they're saying if this had been a clinic in America, this place would have been shut down and everybody would have been arrested. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, 10% is super high. I could see her being like, but 20% isn't that bad. You know, 20% is it? It's still, I got a B. Yeah. <laughs> I got 80%. And then the next, the next one, she's like, B plus. B plus. B plus. Yeah. I mean, so, each exam I fail is a life. She puts still. the she puts the letter grading in the window, oh <laughs> like, yeah, a restaurant. like a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I know where to see, guys. We're oh, working on it. Don't, next week, you'll see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we won't see. You'll see. You'll, well, no, you'll be. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, wordplay. One of the things that was really her downfall was her blog. Because she kept writing all these things that she was quote unquote doing. So when it came time for when you got, uh, so Nurse Jackie wrote a letter to the Ugandan authorities and essentially was like, this woman is 
you know, taking matters into her own hands and providing medical treatment that she does not have the qualifications for. And they shut her down. And then a civil rights lawyer was like, oh, yeah, I've read her blog. I've read, I've seen all this stuff. Like, this is bullshit. And so this is what uh, Aunt Renee has to say about her blog. And a mistake that I made that I wish I wouldn't have is I very much wrote in first person, which looking back sounded very prideful. <laughs> as I wanted to allude to the fact that I was, you know, doing all those things myself. But the reality was that there were medical professionals present during those things. Bitch. I swear. Mm-mm. Trust me. This is where I feel like she goes real balls to the wall, like trying to throw people under the bus. Because this is when she sort of throws like all of healthcare in Uganda under the bus. I mean, I can tell you time and time again, taking kids to taking kids to hospital after hospital and then being like, man, we don't really deal with malnutrition. Your best bet is to take them uh, back to your nutrition center. It wasn't ideal. But what do you do in a non-ideal situation? I ask you. And Robin was like, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. Robin, her God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like you, Robin. Girl, you're, do- you're doing what you need to do. You just keep doing you. Yeah, yeah. it's hard out there. Mm-hmm. You're doing the best you can. You know, and you are a mother. She a mom. <laughs> She's not a mom. <laughs> you are right. a mother of those children. Mm-hmm. That's right. So. <laughs> out in least not in Ham Streets. Hanifa <laughs> Bachoa. A Ugandan pediatrician who specializes in malnutrition finds Aunt Renee's explanation preposterous. No, 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 I don't accept that, Bochoa said, in regards to that comment about being the kids being shunned. Yeah. During the period at the during that period of time, Bochoa then, based at the NGO University Research, was working with Uganda's government on a U.S. government-funded project to set up inpatient care for severely malnourished children across the country. And by 2010, Basho says Jinja's regional referred hospital had a well-established malnutrition unit to care for complicated cases of severe acute malnutrition. So that is sort of her um, excuse for why she did it. Uh, she was sued. So the in 2015, Ugandan authorities shut down the center for operating without a required license. They later found that she did have a license, but it had expire, expired in 2014. A few years later, they had allowed the center to reopen, but it had to be in direct partnership with a government health center in a different district, and serving his children would no longer be involved in medical care. Uh, so they're so, still open? No, not, I mean, not right now, no. The Then, after that, Prima Kwagala, a Ugandan civil rights attorney, sued Aunt Renee and serving his children on behalf of Gimbo Zubeda, who is Zuria's grand, uh, daughter, who's the mother of Twilali, and Kaka Annette, who's the mother of Elijah. The court filings included excerpts from the blog and photos taken by
by Aunt Renee, including one of her inserting an IV catheter into the vein of a severely malnourished child. Ay, ay, ay. Ugh. The, there oh, is my God. some good news. They were able to reach a settlement. Aunt Renee and the charity serving his children have jointly agreed to pay $9,500 to each of the mothers with no admission of liability. Coagula said that um, the women also found comfort in finally seeing the medical files on their children provided by Aunt Renee in her court filings, as well as informal statements by Aunt Renee. She also apologized to the women. Aunt Renee said she was sorry and that she said she would not come back to Uganda and she would not be involved in the medical practice in the country anymore. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll leave. I'll never come back. <laughs> Man, she deserves fucking God, so much more. So she just gets to run back home yeah. after fucking so, with the whole country. Quagala has no plans to sue on behalf of additional families whose children died at serving his children's centers. However, uh, American and Ugandan members of an advocacy group called No White Saviors have been working yeah. on additional cases. Kuagala said uh, in a statement, imagine if a 20-something Ugandan woman had gone to the U.S. and set up an equivalent arrangement to treat impoverished American children. She would have been prosecuted. She would have been behind bars. I don't think she would have lasted two hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it's true. Aunt Renee gave a statement through her attorney and said that she has moved on in a, in the prof- her professional career. She's moved on, huh? And continues to equip families and strive to prevent malnutrition. She says that she has been sent death threats and that she has had to move back to Virginia and has no plans to live in Uganda again. No. She also has two daughters, one-year-old Zariah and 10-year-old Saleh, whom she adopted after treating her at serving his children. Get this the bitch, fuck out of here. This yeah. bitch is a fucking Dr. Mengele. She's a Mengele of Virginia. Wow, what a parasite of a human being. Seriously, she's just living her life right now? Yeah. She should be in prison. So she do the do the lawsuits I'm as, I'm assuming that the lawsuits in Uganda will not cause any kind of extradition from here. No. No, because she was not criminally prosecuted. Because again, they they ha- they weren't able to really say that she was the she was definitively the person who caused these kids these these child's deaths. Because these kids were already extremely malnourished. Right, and right. Had a myriad of other issues. So to say that she was the one, you know, th- they were coming to her as as like a last uh, dish effort sort of thing. So I mean, I. So pers- she's not responsible. Yeah. She's not responsible for the deaths. She's just expedited the process. I mean, essentially, yeah. I well, uh. I personally feel like she she did because of her ne- her stupidity and her. Neglect. Uh, it's neglect. yeah. If yeah. you're if you're treating somebody with without any medical knowledge, then yeah, it's still neglect. Like for Damn. example, if 
like let's say uh let's say maria um has her uh like her carotid artery severed right now that mm-hmm. is a death that is a almost a death blow you can treat that you can save it to where you know i don't know why i'm making you out to be the person who's going to die in this scenario but that's fine let's just roll with this fantasy that i've had um yeah let's say <laughs> i welcome death Uh, and i'm just bathing in her blood no um let's say that so let's say that that's happened right and she goes to me and she says Lori, my carotid artery has been severed can you help me and i said oh my god yeah i i will do everything in my power to assist you and i cover her mouth and her nose i mean you could say yeah like obviously the carotid artery is going to bleed out and she's going to die. But I have a feeling like the lack of oxygen or, you know, if I give her like a bunch of water, so where she, you know, can't drink, you know, she can't hold down water. It's like doing stupid things to somebody who's already dealing with so many other, with an ailment is it's, I feel like is just as culpable as severing the carotid artery. She was a monster. She use these children like toys to be like let me see if i can figure out how to get an iv in here or let me see if i can diagnose this child and then fix him myself it's like she used them the same way that dr mengele used uh victims in his human experience it's the same thing except it's even worse because at least it's well it's children and and, uh, like at at the very least, he tried to justify it to himself by saying they were for the greater good, whereas her only reasoning for this was that she nobody else was around to do it, and, and so God. she should just and God and and God, God. <laughs> yeah God told Robin told her to do it. Robin was like, "You go, girl." Wow, what a bitch! What a monster! What yeah. a monster! So with that, do you have her address? So. The good listeners of this podcast could send her some mean letters. Oh, I would love it. That'd be nice. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, she'll hopefully we'll have her karmic. We can send know, her some retribution. Books. You can send her some medical books. I'm like, how I'm that- sure. I'm yeah. sure she would not. I'm sure. I am sure that in her entire time in Uganda, she didn't read a single book no. from front to back. She Googled. Like, we know that yeah. she at least Googled one time how to give and a you, blood transfusion. And you know that the service is slow over there. So you know that she's taking forever, like, Googling, trying to bring up, like, different WebMD oh. pages because they're all covered in, like, like images and ads and shit. I feel like taking she had forever. a... I feel like she had a hot spot. I feel like she, she had okay internet. <laughs> still a bad service spot. Yeah, still a bad service spot. <laughs> That 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 is incredible. I just I I hate that she gets to be like, okay, well, I'm I I'll just leave if you don't want me here. I'll just I'll go then, yeah. and I won't come back. And I can't believe you don't want me back. And now yeah. she's just happily back in in like in her hometown. It's just so infuriating. She should be tried and prosecuted. She should face justice. Well, there, insane. there is that group, uh, No White Saviors, who's pretty, I think, just as angry as you are. So hopefully they do something with it. Well, they sound uh, awesome. They do. If that was a motorcycle gang, I would do my best to join. <laughs> just just for the cut. Oh, that'd be great. 
Yeah. And we roll up to the house, fucking no white series on the back. Yeah, I think you'd be excited. I'd be into it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Let's get you this going. Could, you guys could role play. I mean, to be honest with you, <laughs> you guys. <laughs> that was my motorcycle just now. <laughs> you don't have to ride a motorcycle. And also, you could just make a vest that says, Hey, Lori. <laughs> hey, Lori. It's about the details. <laughs> See, baby? No white saviors. <laughs> get pretty on. good. All right. That's pretty good. Well, with Let's that roll. note, <laughs> we're off to the mall. The mall. <laughs> well, thank you, Laurie. This was great. Uh, this was. Uh, Lori, you did it. I did it. I did a thing. She does it all the time. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> we please check out our Patreon if you get a chance. Please check us out on TikTok and on Instagram. We're not on. T- did you put up a TikTok? I put up like I put up like three TikToks. Uh, oh. So we're going pretty hard on TikTok, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see them yet. You didn't tell me you put them up. They're not like, I think I'm going to take them down because they're all just me answering, you know, like when people do like questions, they're like, what's like, what's the most, like, what's Everybody... the thing that you've done that later on you look back on and you think that, oh, I would have died. And I talk about the time that I got a ride from a man when I was like six from a man in a truck. And uh, he drove me up to this top of this hill because I wanted to beat my dad up to the top of this hill. And we would play this game where he would lock the car. He would lock the car and I would open it and he would lock it. And I would open it. Oh, my God. And he was very nice. He dropped me off. There was no problem. We, I mean, honestly, nicest guy ever. Probably the best interaction with a man that's not my father. So. Well, that's great. I'm glad you didn't die. And the sex was Everybody. Awesome. Okay, everybody check out Lori's personal TikTok at Bloody Podcast. And we'll see you next week.